well, we can make a deal right now, buddy. Yeah. If you ever get stuck in that spot and you're stuck, like focusing on the guy you used to be, you give me a call and I'll come over and I'll punch you in the nuts <laughs> and I'll draw your attention away from that. And, uh, and we can focus on something else. I think else. I'll just punch myself in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Saves me gas. That'll bring you in. And that's a pretty big hand. So. <laughs> Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. And with that, we're going to start. Welcome back to the Plugged In Media Network studio. Ryan here. We'll get uh, joining us today. We got one of our greatest buddies, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you laughing at that, Derek? You're here too. I know. I haven't even got to finish yet. I'm waiting for a punchline. No, there's no punchlines. No (laughs) other shoe to drop. So we got Rick here, we got Derek here, we got Amber as well, and we are here to discuss something a little bit off topic, well, on topic, but just a a, gonna, a sidebar. Sidebar, thanks for that. Side notes. Too big a lunch today, I can't even think. But yeah, sidebar. We're going to discuss sobriety, recovery through the holidays, because if anybody out there has struggled through the holidays to stay sober. It or, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> It's tough. It can be very tough with all the stressors that are out there, you know, all the stressors about getting into recovery and then you mix in the holiday season and everything that comes with that. And, uh, I think that's a huge topic to talk about. What do you guys think? Sounds like a great place to start. Yeah. Holidays are stressful. So there's lots of complexities that come in. Yeah. There's so much anxiety that comes with the holidays too, especially knowing how much time you have to be around your family. (laughs) I feel like family's a a pretty big trigger to a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Not not my family, if anyone's listening. Not my family, but <laughs> families in general, right? When you're in active addiction, <laughs> I think families are stressful For to sure. people. But. For sure. So, you know, I can go back and I can remember the first time I tried to get into recovery. Um, <clears throat> the holiday season was chaos, right? And I managed to get through it clean and sober, but it sure wasn't bumpless. Like it was a rocky go and there was a lot of times, you know, you show up at holiday functions, you show up at family members' houses and the bar is out and all these things are happening, right? And, and that little squirrel starts, one wouldn't hurt. May as well just have one, right? Uncle Bob's having one, so I can have one. All these kind of things, right? That that gets that uh, addiction going again. It starts talking in our ears. My Uncle Bob wouldn't have had just one. No? What about Uncle Baby Billy? Uncle Baby Billy? Well, now he's, <laughs> he's, he's got a wicked coke habit now. Like- horrific coke habit so he quit drinking but like that guy can put down literally 24 coca-cola oh coca-cola we're talking (laughs) i was like well uh (laughs) i think you need to talk to your uncle man right i'm like have him back in here does uncle baby billy know you're outing his cocaine problem right now that's where my mind went (laughs) coca-cola salt vinegar chips for like he's a pretty fit dude yeah that dude seriously i'm not even exaggerating he'll put down 24 coca-cola and two like big family bag of salt and vinegar chips every 24 hours. Jesus. That Jesus. is sick. It's <laughs> disgusting. That's the, the truck driver diet. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Track operator. Uncle Billy. <laughs> Uncle baby Billy, my yeah. hero. If anybody's listening and you haven't listened to that episode, I can't rem- remember what number it is, but it's worth the listen. Just the accents alone. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, with that, holidays are coming up they're just around the corner the christmas season and uh one of the things that really helped me early on was somebody told me to have an escape plan and i looked at them like you know holiday season i'm thinking of uh bruce willis i'm thinking of die hard right (laughs) what's my escape plan gonna be but you know it made sense and the longer i stay in recovery the more it makes sense to me because we go to work wherever you work right whether it's construction oil patch wherever it is you have some sort of emergency response plan And what does that look like in recovery? For me, it was like, figure it out early, plan ahead. You know, you can have an escape plan. If things start to go sideways, what's that look like? What's you, what route are you taking home? And a lot of the things that was suggested to me was drive yourself, take your own transportation to all these functions, right? So you're not sitting there. If something goes sideways and your brain starts ticking, like it does a lot of times in, in early recovery, you're not waiting around for 
for Johnny or whatever for the ride home, right? You got a way to get out of there and a way to get home. So that was one really cool idea. That's my biggest rule of thumb during the holidays, right? Everybody thinks I'm this really nice selfless guy that's always willing to drive people <laughs> around. And it's part of like my amends is to be the DD. It's complete bullshit. I'm actually really, really selfish. And it's just so I can leave when I want to leave. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally with you. That is my go-to all the time. For sure. Yeah. I want, I, I want to be in control of when I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet there's a lot of people out there listening that maybe aren't in recovery or don't have addiction issues that are listening. And that's probably not a bad idea to install in your own life as well. Yeah. Probably already have it, right? It's great to have that freedom to leave when you're ready to go. For sure. I mean, um, you can, it, it's funny. Like I, I call it the witching hour. Usually it's, <laughs> it's about midnight, right? Absolutely. It's like nothing, nothing good happens after midnight nothing mm -hmm. in in my experience i've never like been to a party and 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 i am pretty lucky that way right like i i don't feel like a prisoner i'm i'm not struggling to hide from anything right i think everybody knows you know i still i still go to the bar with my wife and my friends and and we still we still go out and we still do things i still go to parties and um never once though i can't think of a single time that you know whatever whatever happens af after midnight i i don't miss anything like totally. it just whatever 1201 it's like shit show begins and it's a whole bunch of stuff that i didn't need to participate in anyway yeah so it's it's uh it's funny how you can almost like when you when you are sober you can sit back in a in a party and watch watch the room change right mm. and it's, yeah it's it's like usually one round of shots somebody's like let's do some shots it's about, <laughs> it's about 11 30 and then by like 10 to 12 it's like oh that chick's got her shirt off this guy's puking in the plant over here like yeah. it's time to go right <clears throat> So, sure. uh, it's always important to be the selfless DD so you can drive people <laughs> slash yourself before anybody else is actually ready to go home. Yeah. I, uh, I, I spend a lot of time not being the designated driver in my previous life. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, uh, I wish that I would have, have had the tools back then that I do now. And, uh. I think that when, when we try to be around our, you know, family and, uh, especially if there's, you know, problems between certain people in the family, I, I, I definitely think that that can add to mm -hmm. everybody's, you know, angst, anxiety. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely think that having a, you know, plan and a, a, you know, a spot to get out of it is uh is a probably a fantastic idea yeah absolutely <coughs> excuse me and with that escape plan obviously in order to need an escape plan you're somewhere else usually other than your house right so that's how many people you know are out there going to business christmas parties functions like that and you know, just because we're getting into recovery or we're deciding that, you know, we're going to have a sober life and all these things doesn't mean that we have to eliminate those things, but we need to have plans concocted in order to make it through them successfully. Right. And one of the other things that was helpful when it was brought to my attention is start planning out what it's going to look like when somebody offers you a drink or what kind of language are you going to use to tell people why you're not drinking just so that you're not stuck in that moment where somebody says, Hey, I'm going up to get a beer. I'll, I'll bring one back for you. Right. And then you're stumbling on your words and you're stumbling on what does that look like? For me, it's really easy now. Mm -hmm. Well, actually it happened last weekend. We were out at a, we were at a bar, um, my wife and I, and another couple, and, uh, it was a local brewery in town. Shout out to the best waitress ever, Jenny, if she happens to be listening. <laughs> um, Jenny from the block. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we, she, you know, she showed up and went around the table and it was, it was a brewery. So everybody kind of ordered their whatever craft beer she gets to me and she's like, what are you going to have? And I said, a root beer, your finest craft root beer, please. I made some light of it. <laughs> so right? sophisticated. Yeah. And she laughed at me and she goes, why the fuck do you need a root beer? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I just looked at her and I went, well, cause I'm a full blown alcoholic. And she was like, oh no, uh. That's not what I'm saying. She's like, why pick root beer? We have a hundred other really cool drinks that aren't root beer. Yeah. And it was cool to see her like not like that wasn't the, well, I'm sure there was an element of that, right? <laughs> but it wasn't like the intent was to shame me for not for drinking. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm to the point that I'm just like, fuck it. This is what I am. This is the problem. So I don't, uh, 
I don't need to make excuses. I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm at, but I do remember a time early that I, that I was not as comfortable and I was still making excuses Mm -hmm. and, uh, and not to say that's right or wrong. Right. I think that's part of the process. It's, uh, wherever you're at in your journey, you're at. And, um, cause it does spawn a lot of conversation that you better have, you better have the background to have the conversation if you open that door. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to, to play that out in your head and, and, you know, as, stupid as like role-playing bullshit is. And I hate every corporate event or every <laughs> seminar that we've got to do role-playing. Um, it, it does, it does really help prepare you for that. Cause it, it's inevitably something you're going to face. Yeah. So f- figure out what you're going to say and how you're going to respond. And if it's bullshit, it's bullshit. If it's not, it's not, it's nobody else's business. Yeah. Totally. And uh, like for me too, when I quit drinking, all my friends were like, what, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, let me get you one for sure. just one. And I'm like, just no, one. just one. No, I don't, I don't need just one or the whole bottle things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it, th- it comes by naturally, especially when it's new. They just want to encourage you in, in their social fun, right? And you just have to remind them it's yeah. a, just a no. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, <laughs> um, something that could probably help a lot of us out there is, uh, when you do see somebody who turns down a alcoholic drink, um, maybe we don't need to be asking them why. Maybe mm-hmm. we just need to, you know, say, okay, that's not what they want to do tonight, right? Like, I don't think that um, that we need to explain ourselves to everybody because we've made a change, right? Um, people don't mm-hmm. don't always deserve an explanation and uh sometimes i think we need to just maybe mind our own or what is happening with like us and uh not not have to ask people you know questions that we have no idea what's behind it right Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. i think i think that's a big point right we don't have to justify why we're sober or why we're in recovery we don't have to tell people there's lots of people that want to which is fine too right but i think the whole premise is be prepared for it like you said rick be prepared for it because someday that is gonna happen we're all gonna face that that dilemma right and the more we play it out in our heads and have all these a b c and d all these things that we have in our tool belt to say whether it's blatant honesty, whether it's all on medication, whatever that is, whatever works for you, right? Whatever you're comfortable with. Yep. And I think that lends really nicely to the next thing is, um, be mindful of what you're drinking, right? Like (laughs) totally. Not a 24 case of Coke. (laughs) Well, no, it's, it's funny. It's funny. You bring that up, right? Cause I'm going through my head as to, you know, as, as we started coming up with the idea for this episode, I was remembering my first Christmas my first holiday season in sobriety and uh, I was well, September, October, November, maybe four months in, right. Four months sober. Um, so still pretty fresh, but you know, I'd, I'd gotten, I, I dove in pretty hard to the program. So I, I thought I was at a pretty good place. Right. For sure. And uh, I spent, I spent Christmas Eve and Christmas day in the mountains with uh, my whole family. We rented out a whole hotel pretty much and uh, spent Christmas down there. And then, we had to rush home because my wife and I, um, oh my God, I just had a flashback of that trip. <laughs> How I completely shit the bed on planning that. Um, we ended up in the Dominican. So we, we had, we were flying out to the Dominican on um, boxing day. So the kids stayed home with grandmas and uh, me and my wife were trying to, you know, maybe reconnect or mend some fences and just spend some us time together mm-hmm. and uh, in the Dominican. And it was like the second day, uh, sitting at dinner i ordered a coke right when it's dominican so there's a bit of a language barrier and it's the dominican so um guy brings me the drink and i get like a ch- it's hot as hell so i chug like half of it right and as it hits the bottom of my stomach i'm like oh shit yeah it was to- rum and coke right and i'm like oh my god and i have this like whole meltdown i'm like oh my god i've just relapsed what the hell sure. and on the phone to my sponsor from the dominican at like 27 dollars a minute <laughs> I'm having a meltdown. He's like, dude, did you finish the drink? No. He goes, could you have finished the drink and nobody would have known? And I said, yes. And he goes, then shut the fuck up and get back to your holiday. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> and hung up the phone. That's, That's awesome. awesome. 
but it was like, it was just this mortal fear of like, oh my God, it's all falling apart. And it was like, no, it hasn't. It's, uh, it is what it is. Right. Um, but I, I do fully agree. Be mindful of what you're drinking, especially at a social <clears throat> event. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to bring my own drinks to a party yeah. and anybody hosting a party, just make sure you've got some options for people. It isn't just booze. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the biggest piece, what you just said. Right. And we've talked to lots of people who have had that mix up at a restaurant or a lounge or something. Right. And somebody's drink got brought to them or who knows when I was out drinking still, how many times did I order vodka and they bring me rum, whatever it happens in restaurants all the time in bars. But the biggest piece that you said, right. Is what did you do after you noticed that there's booze in that drink? And did you continue drinking it? And if the answer is yes, and you actively knew you were drinking and then you finished the drink. Now we got a problem. No, I didn't finish the drink. I ran to totally. the bathroom and found an eight ball really quick, crushed that up and snorted it instead. <laughs> One extreme to the next. Hey? That's I'm, I'm kidding. We know. <laughs> that, that isn't what actually happened. Of course not. That Thanks was three years previously to that. <laughs> no, but it's so true, right? And, and another good thing you mentioned there that really helped me on my recovery journey at the start was bring your own drinks, right? And it doesn't have to be any beer, whatever it is to fit in. Like at the very start, I thought I need to take some non-alcoholic beer. So I don't look like that guy who's just drinking pop all night or something. Right. And nowadays who gives a shit what you're drinking? I bring my own pop. I bring whatever, I bring a glass of milk if I want. Don't care. <laughs> and a box of cookies. Boy, absolutely. <laughs> I bring tea everywhere. Yeah. Ginger everywhere. ale. Yeah. Ginger ale. I used my to drink jam. like eight a day and I had to stop that because that was too got, much because you got diabetes well I didn't want to get diabetes so <laughs> I stopped drinking beer so then I started drinking ginger ale and now I drink sparkling water nice or again wicked shout out to the amazing waitress Jenny from uh, Medicine Out Brewing Company I know Jenny too tell her about yeah. the drink she brought yeah me. man so she brought me instead of the root beer that she refused to give me because she just so funny she just shit on me from start to finish it was pretty awesome best waitress ever um <clears throat> Yeah. She's like, well, would you want a root beer? I'm like, no. She said, well, how about I just bring you whatever you're going to drink? And I went, uh, okay. She's kind of intimidating. <laughs> so, uh, she brought me this, Puffer. it was pink. And I was like, mm, I don't look like the kind of guy that's going to drink a pink drink. <laughs> so what is this? She goes, it's Saskatoon and beet. And I'm like, Saskatoon and beet pop. She's like, yeah. I'm like, no. One sip of that shit. I am hooked. <laughs> it is the best tasting shit I've ever had. So, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Is it but I, Annex? I, no, it's like, I don't know. I can't remember. It's not Annex, but, uh, <laughs> I will, I will happily plug the hell out of that to all six of our listeners. If they send me free samples. <laughs> six, you're a generous guy. It's <laughs> hilarious. Sorry. Deviated. <laughs> now I want to go have a Saskatoon and beat pop. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe after the show we go. Um, And the other piece was, uh, you know, if you're not bringing your own drinks or you run out of your own drinks, go get your own drinks. Whether you're at a function, you're at a bar, you're at a house party, whatever you're at, go get your own drinks. Cause it's so easy for somebody, like you said, Amber, your friends were saying, oh, just have one, right? Well, how easy is it for that friend who doesn't get addiction and know what we're up against to just say, ah, fuck, I know he's going to love having one drink. I'm just going to take him one drink, right? And then suddenly you're drinking and now you're in that dilemma, whether you finish it or not, whatever you're whatever you're doing now you're in that dilemma of like what Rick was just talking about. Holy shit. Did I just relapse? Maybe I didn't, maybe I did. I better phone someone. Well, just avoid all that by bringing your own drinks, getting your own drinks and all that kind of stuff. Right. Just safety first type thing. Yeah. Cause I constantly have people trying to roofie my drinks now. <laughs> so I always make sure I got something with a lid on it so I can make sure nobody takes advantage of me. I was going to say you're worried. People are going to yeah. Of you. I can just oh, imagine that that is a major problem it's, in your life. Rick. I, bet, I bet it happens all the like time. Like constantly, Rick. you'd be amazed. <laughs> uh, Derek, quit trying to roofie Rick. Oh, yeah. damn it. Sorry, bud. It didn't uh, work. I'll have to use a couple more next time, maybe. <laughs> You're still up. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I uh, think that um, when, when we feel like we've maybe stepped over that you know line right and uh i think that rick choosing not to finish that freaking drink is a huge thing and um i think that uh failure looks a lot different to 
two different people, right? And um, when when we're trying to recover and we're trying to 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 get to a spot where we don't need to take, you know, substances, we're gonna have hurdles, and we're gonna have times where we might, you know, feel like we're not progressing, but um, I think that every time that you can, you know, take a second and, you know, consciously choose not to do something that is easy, mm-hmm. it's freaking hard, right? Like Rick could have drank that whole freaking drink and not told anybody, but he was at a spot where he knew that, um, that wasn't going to be the right choice. And, and having that sponsor to be able to, you know, talk to is probably a pretty huge thing. Hey bud. Yeah, for sure. Having that point of reference that can reground you and, and, especially early in recovery, provide some perspective. Cause I know like my perspective meter was out the window and I was just trying to survive for the first little while. Right. No one right from wrong. Like don't even get me started on that. I was just trying not to kill myself. Yeah. So, uh, it, it was pretty, it was pretty huge for sure. And, and at the end of the day, like I, I remember thinking about it, like not really thinking about drinking it, but I, I remember the thoughts that went through my head and it was, you know, that hokey, hokey cliche that you hear at every treatment center ever, or every therapy session to play the tape forward. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could have drank that one drink and nobody would have noticed. <laughs> they might not have noticed that one, but the next 20 that come and all the shit like that night would have ended totally very differently Absolutely. and it wouldn't have ended after that one drink. Like, right? Why does that guy who's parasailing have no pants on? <laughs> <laughs> That would have been you. Running <laughs> down where, the beach that, naked. That, that, and totally, that's right? why people roofie Rick. And that's where, <laughs> that actually was me. And I don't need the booze to pull that shit off. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, wow. But that's where one drink takes people like us, right? If you're struggling with addiction, you know exactly what we're talking about. That first drink opens the door to who knows what's coming next. Yeah. One drink isn't a problem. <laughs> yeah. The, whatever comes next yeah. is the issue. Absolutely. Never just one. Never just one. And I think, you know, just kind of carrying on, we could sit and talk about these all day long, but another one is, and it comes directly from my recovery program is being helpful, being of service, right? If you're, if you're stuck in early recovery or, you know, you're thinking about maybe you're walking that line of relapse and you're thinking about maybe I should have a drink or something, right? For me, early on in recovery, being of service to somebody else was huge. That got me out of my own way, got me out of my head and put the focus on somebody else for a bit. And before long, I wasn't thinking about relapsing anymore. I wasn't thinking about using and whether that's volunteering, whether that's helping grandma cook the turkey in the kitchen, whatever it is, right? Be of service to some capacity and, you know, stop sitting on the couch and stop sitting in those thoughts. Because the longer we sit in those thoughts, it's not long before we're taking action on them and we're out there getting a six pack or a eight ball or whatever that looks like, right? Yeah, just be busy. It's it's really easy to be busy in the holiday season. Um, there's plenty of there's plenty of agencies out there that are looking for volunteers to go ring a bell for the uh, Salvation Army. There's you know there's food bank will help you deliver. You know there's tons of stuff a guy can do. Go volunteer to wrap presents at the mall. Like there's so many things. And uh, one thing I do want to bring up too is if you are um, if you are really early in recovery or even not if you're just struggling through the holidays, especially. Um, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas day. I know the, um, the AA clubhouse, they have what's called the Alcathon. Uh, I think that's what they call it anyway. But what, what it is, is, is the place is open from, I think it's noon Christmas Eve till, uh, noon boxing day, I believe. And it's staffed the whole time. So, um, um, people within 12 step programs volunteer, to like man it for a couple hours and everybody brings snacks and food and games and, and so like for 48 hours, that place is rocking. Well, I shouldn't say rocking. It makes it sound like way cooler than it is, but <laughs> it's uh you, you definitely won't be alone. Right. And you'll be surrounded by people in recovery that are there to support somebody else and snacks and games. And it's usually, uh, it's usually a pretty lively event anyway. So, um, if you, if you are struggling in those, those, 24, 48 hours, um, a clubhouse just head out there, there whole time. Somebody will be there. 
Yeah, I think giving your being able to go there and give yourself a little bit of a breather from the house and everything mm-hmm. going on would be so impactful to maintaining that sobriety, right? Give yourself that reality check. Well, I go there, uh, like I make a point of booking at least an hour myself still, right? To um, volunteer just because I know the importance of having that place open. And, and as much as it's, uh, as much as much as it's good, I think for the people that need it, it's also really beneficial to me, especially during those, you know, during that time, it, uh, it, it, it really does help with perspective and remind me why I do what I do and, uh, and how, like how much better life is that I'm in that position than, than what I used to be. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure. And anybody who's never been to a 12 step meeting or anybody who hasn't been in sobriety before, right. I used to think about that all the time when I was just coming out of active addiction. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to go hang out with those people. And how boring is this going to be? And what's life look like without drugs and alcohol? Right. Cause I didn't know <laughs> it was part of my life since I was 14, but it's pretty friggin' cool going to Christmas parties and going to things with the recovery community. Right. You have, you have just as well, I would say personally, you have just as much fun as I did out there using and drinking, except for I got a pocket full of money at the end of the night. I know where my vehicle is. I don't have the police. No regrets. Nothing. Right. And and you're still having a great time and it's full of honest conversation, which is really cool. And you get a good night's sleep. (laughs) It's funny. I've been to a couple, uh, well, one buddy in particular, a friend of the show, uh, Mark T, he's uh, been known to host a New Year's Eve party. And it's sweet because he'll be like, I don't know, 30 people in recovery. There'll be a whole bunch of good food and, and good times, good conversation. And like, it's awesome. The countdown happens, four, three, two, one, everybody cheers. And that house is empty by 12.05, right? <laughs> it's past everybody's bedtime. And like, he's, you're at home in bed by 12.30, right? And he's on the other side of town for me. Like that place is empty. That's amazing. Five minutes after midnight because everybody's been, it's like, man, it's like I said, nothing good happens after midnight. Like you shut her down. It's, it's so true. It's and, so true. And when you say midnight for me, that's like nine thirty. Yeah, yeah. Like nothing good <laughs> happens after nine thirty. It's New Year's Eve. I yeah. stretched it till midnight. Right? <laughs> it's so true, though. Yeah, and I look back, and everyone can right look back to those days when we were out there using and those people. Right, man, all the nasty shit happened after midnight. Yeah. Oh my good lord. That's what I'm saying. Nothing good. Always escalated. Nothing good comes after midnight. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, especially now during the holidays, like I'll drive around looking for a check stop now, right? Like (laughs) it's been, it's been like five and a half years. Right. And I haven't, I haven't gone through a check stop. I haven't gone through a check stop. And I'm like, man, they used to be everywhere Mm -hmm. when I was like drunk driving all the time and it's terrible. And I did it and I own it. And well, I was drunk all the time. So if I was driving, I was probably drunk driving. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny, funny how that works. But uh, yeah, like the last five years, man, I, especially through the holidays, right? They're everywhere. You think I can find one? Because like, I've already got my line in my head, right? And he goes, do you have anything to drink? Not in the last five and a half years. And I'm actually like planning to like do the math and figure out how many days or hours yeah. it is so I can be really specific, right? Because yeah. I'm a bit of a smart ass if you haven't figured that out. <laughs> Never noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you had anything to drink? No, not in uh, 1,342 days. Thanks for asking. Wow. Just so that I can ha- have him like shake his head at me and get the fuck out of here. Yeah. But, I can't wait to see <clears throat> check stop. I hope I I'm see one yeah. so we can call you. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <I remember laughs> Got to get to the corner of this and that. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to. I've been looking for one. I was on my third year of recovery and I was leaving the, one of the NA Christmas parties and I was driving home, coming up Dunmore Road, up the hill. And there was a check stop there where the one usually is there, right? Yeah. And the guy asked me, he said, where are you coming from tonight? And I said, oh, I was at an NA function and it's Christmas season, right? And he's like, oh, uh, were you having any alcohol tonight? I'm like, you probably don't know what an NA, <laughs> what NA means, right? So I explained it to him and he's like, holy shit, good for you, man. Carry on. <laughs> and it was really cool to go through Well, I that. hear they give away like free cheeseburgers and shit. You get like what? a coupon for a Big Mac or something or Whopper. Man, I don't know. I got hosed. I'd do, I do laps around the block. I got no coupon. <laughs> if Brent Sikondiak is listening, you guys owe me a coupon for a Whopper. <laughs> and Rick says so. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's crazy, but it'll happen. Keep keep counting and keep your line. Yeah. Sit on that line. You'll get to use it someday, right? It's uh, it's uh, you know, funny how the topics that like we chat about when you aren't freaking drunk or high 
change, right? Because now I I go out and and I'm like having honest, intelligent adult conversations about actual tough topics, and and I don't have to get drunk prior to going anywhere because I would feel un comfortable right like i don't know how many christmas parties and other events i showed up to half in the bag you know because i thought that was okay or how many i didn't make it to because i overshot the mark of pre-gaming <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, by starting at 10 a.m yeah, the I day before yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah and and i guess i i do not regret i do not want to ever you know feel that way i did again after a you know n- night of being a complete ass right like i you know you you just have this like you know feeling like i'm on my way home i'm gonna go to bed good i'm gonna get up i'm not gonna have a hangover i'm not gonna be mad at myself and you just you you start to do that and you you don't want to drink because you don't have to and it it um it took me a long time to get there uh, I can honestly say the last year was probably my only sober Christmas since I've been 18 years old. Wow. So that's 21 years, right? Wow. And um yeah, I uh it was um it was awesome because I uh <laughs> I woke up the next day and I felt like a million bucks. Okay. So it's that's, good. That's the best part <clears throat> of sobriety. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, no anxiety, no hangover. Right? Yeah, wake up feeling like a million bucks. I can clean, get my life together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't bad. know. You know, one of the, I, I try not to have too many regrets with old me, but uh, there was a lot of Christmas mornings I woke up to my kids wanting to open presents and excitement. And I mean, I did not, I did not participate in that excitement waking mm-hmm. up that morning. Me right? too, dude. It yeah. was like, you know, barely drag my ass out of bed and just, exist on the couch while the kids open their stuff and coffee and coffee and rye for sure. coffee and Bailey's yeah. like yeah. don't sober up because you're gonna feel like yeah. you know and I know I got to keep this going for yeah. another two or three days by yeah. the time Christmas dinner's done and boxing day world juniors on boxing day right yep <laughs> like in and the rodeo goes on but there was a lot of Christmas Eve's Christmas mornings that I mean you know I I, I try not to regret too much and, and I don't really but you know I, I really I really do wish I played a bigger role in, in the excitement, you know, cause it, my kids are older now too. Right. So yeah. it's Christmas morning, like now it's us up and like, I'm Wait. dragging my kids out, out of bed. <laughs> right? like, come For on, sure. what are your stuff? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I missed, I didn't miss, but I mean, I didn't really take advantage of the, the magic of Christmas for young kids. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, I was, yeah, I was hung over, still drunk or. <laughs> just not in a good place to really enjoy, enjoy them enjoying Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, that's something, that's something you don't get back. Absolutely. Well, unless you're 40 and decide to have another kid. Yeah. So you come over to my house. <laughs> yeah. Check that out. <laughs> See what it's like now that we're sober. <laughs> I knew exactly who that's pointed at. Well, if Damo was here, it's a toss. Yeah. yeah. Right? It'd go either way. <laughs> but yeah, so true and so relatable. I was the same guy at my place. 400 kilometers away from you, right? Exact same guy pouring the Baileys in the coffee and, you know, kids were up at six and dad's still in bed at nine. Wait till 10, wait till 10. Yeah. It was regrettable. That's for sure. Wow. Yeah. I guess I, uh, I, yeah, I'm kind of like, kind of like, you know, Rick, I, I like try not to get stuck in, in the spot of, of the man I used to be, right? And um, I still find myself being stuck there sometimes. And um, I, I definitely do wish that I had been a bigger part of my kids' lot, lot, lot lives at, uh, you know, uh, certain times. And that's one of those, uh, you know, things that, like, you don't get to ever, mm-hmm. you know, take back and i i can do a lot of good now but there's you know still a time where where i've i can honestly say i i have probably hurt everybody i've ever truly cared about um whether that was because of of you know of uh, because of my you know 
alcohol or because um, I used to be a very, you know, selfish man. And um, I, uh, I look back at all those opportunities where I could have been a, a part of my kid's life. And I, I don't ever want to go back to that spot where I, you know, feel like they can't, you know, trust me to show up every day for them. So, well, we can make a deal right now, buddy. Yeah. If you ever get stuck in that spot and you're stuck, you're stuck like focusing on the guy you used to be, you give me a call and I'll come over and I'll punch you in the nuts <laughs> and I'll draw your attention away from that and, uh, and we can focus on something I else. I think I'll just punch myself in the nuts. <laughs> Saves me gas. That'll bring you in. And that's a pretty big hand, so. <laughs> Nothing will bring you back into the present moment yeah, quicker. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? We'll get, you, we'll get you out of the past and right back to the moment, right? Every every therapist you ever meet is going to tell you to live in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. We'll bring you back. Yeah. Down you to your knees. If you don't want to get hit, you can just give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what therapy with Rick will look like in the future. Dick Here, punches for everyone. Here's your bill. <laughs> I, I think Rick is authentically himself and... Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. You get what you get. 125 <laughs> bucks an hour. I'll punch you in the nuts. Dick. <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. If you talk nice, maybe you can get hired on at some other agency. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Uh, triggers. I know we talk about triggers lots and some people in recovery believe in triggers. Some don't. But what I like to always say is that some triggers are optional, right? If we... You know, everybody's going to struggle with certain things that remind them of their behavior in their past and whether it's using friends or using it's your environment, whatever that looks like. You know, I remember triggers for me were, fuck, when I, early in recovery, it was every bathroom in Western Canada, pretty much. If I'm standing at a urinal, that's a trigger. If I'm standing at a toilet, that's a trigger because I was using cocaine off all of them in every restaurant, every bar, you name it, right? And you're scared of COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not taking that stuff, but I'll snort coke off a bathroom wall. Those are all the best TikToks too, where you're like all the anti-vaxxers and stuff. I don't know what to put in my body. (laughs) Yeah, you're ripping lines in the bathroom at the grungiest bar in town. Totally. And not even to worry about where you're doing it, but what are you putting in your body? What's, oh, well. My drug dealer is an honest guy. He wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't sell me some shit. Like, okay. I'm going to let you try first and I'll see how you react. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so wild. When we were out there, we were putting anything in our bodies. It didn't matter what it was. But yeah, back to triggers, right? That Some of them are optional. I know for me, like you go over to Buddy's house and he likes to smoke weed in the garage at halftime of the you know, New Year's Day game or whatever it is. Well, maybe don't go in the garage or maybe don't go over to Buddy's house, right? It's it's all these things. And I remember hearing from so many individuals who have relapsed, well, I had to go over there because it's our annual tradition and I had to go out in the garage. I didn't want to feel like I wasn't getting along with people or I was ignoring people. And, and suddenly I got a beer in my hand and I'm like, well, you can see where, you know, the relapse didn't happen when you put the beer in your hand and you put it in your mouth. The relapse happened about probably two days before that, when you decided to go to this party and you decided to go out in the garage and all these things led up to putting you in that position to have that beer in your mouth or that weed, whatever joint in your mouth, or as our friend Dave says, doobie, put a doobie in your mouth. So lots of triggers are optional, right? We don't have to do these things anymore. We choose to put ourselves in these positions where we're going to run into these things that are going to really have hard time getting around them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's it's uh tough when um people don't I guess understand what certain, you know, things can uh, you know, take you back, right? And um I uh I think that um for for all of us who who are in 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 recovery, it's you know, taking control. And, um, you know, it's okay to say no, right? Like no is, is like an answer. It is a complete sentence and we can't be, you know, scared to tell people that. And, and if they don't understand, well, then I guess it's on, you know, them to, you know, figure it out. Right. We, we, we can't, um, we can't expect people to always understand us 
And that's something that, as I'm saying this now, it's kind of taking me back to my Monday. And um, I think that uh, the when 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 we are able to um, change our our perspective um, on on you know things, and um, we can identify and we can own the you know things that do set us off, then we can come up we know with the game plan and having a game plan um it uh, it it allows you to prepare for the worst so well said yeah i was gonna say that too like it's okay to not go that's exactly where my head went like that's it's your recovery it's not anybody else's right so not going to the places that are probably going to take you off of your recovery. Just don't go. For sure. Yeah, it's okay. I, I think that, you know, we're talking early in recovery too. We get to a place after amount of, you know, a certain amount of time and you've done all this work and, you know, you've tackled a lot of those underlying issues and, and you can get to a place like Rick said, right? He can go to a bar today. He's not a, he's not a prisoner in his home. He can go and he can have fun. I can go out for supper and I can go to lounges. I can go to bars if I choose to. Would I have done that in my first couple of weeks of recovery? Probably not for me personally. Some people can do it amazingly, but for me, it's like, <clears throat> it all comes down to step one for me. It's like that powerless piece, right? I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol or I'm powers, powerless over my addiction. So why do I put myself in a position where I'm going to have to power through something and I'm going to have to struggle not to do something? So I'm like, it completely eliminates all those other tips and tricks that we just talked about, right? The escape plan and bringing your own drinks early in recovery. If you just don't go. You don't need to worry about all that other shit. And that's a big piece, right? And it's not going to work for everybody and all these aren't for everybody, but a lot of them are very helpful. That's for sure. I think one thing to factor into, to the trigger talk, Mm -hmm. um, I have some strong opinions about triggers, but um, it's not just places, especially during the holidays, it's people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, there's a lot of people out there that have suffered a lot of trauma from family and friends, family, especially. Um, and you know, recovery or not, you know, alcoholism or drug addiction aside, trauma is trauma. And, uh, and to put yourself in a situation where, you know, you're, you're maybe exposed to somebody who's, who's done something to you or, um, has, has put you in a position that you, you know, you're, you, you don't want to revisit. Like Amber said, don't go right. Um, I don't give a shit who's hosting Christmas dinner. I don't care who's there. If your recovery and what's best for your mental health doesn't come first. And like, <clears throat> it's okay to be selfish sometime if you know what the cost of not being selfish is. Mm-hmm, right. And it, sure. I know, especially with, with trauma and, and, uh, well, what I'm, what I'm talking about without talking about it, um, you know, it's, uh, who gives a shit who you're going to offend that you didn't attend dinner, that you weren't, mm. that you didn't show up for 10 minutes, you know, at the end of the day, what's best for me and my mental health is what's best for me and my mental health. And, and, uh, you know, and, and that's not to say you got to blow the lid off things if you're not ready to do that and start, you know, airing grievances like Festivus. It's just, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys like that one? Yeah. <laughs> Slip that in. Yeah, nice work. Um, no, but for real, like, uh, you know, people are triggers more than places and things. And so uh, just make sure you're cognizant of, you know, don't be afraid to say who's going to be there. And and, uh, and if it's not somewhere you should be, don't be there. Yeah. yeah. I think the same could be said when you're early out of recovery too is like, all the shame and guilt that comes around being around your family and you've got like shorter sobriety time, Mm -hmm. right? Like those things make people feel uncomfortable too. So trying to be easy on yourself is probably a, a good thing to think about as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And a lot of the individuals that we're going to see at those places, whether it's family or friends, whatever, they don't really have the odds are they don't have an education around addiction. They don't really know what we're up against. Right. So we're in recovery now. Okay. So now you're fixed this shouldn't be an issue anymore. And we can discuss some of the really shitty things you did and all this stuff. Right. And 
week one, two, three, month one, two, three, whatever that is in your recovery, we're probably not quite ready there, ready yet to discuss those types of things. Right. And that's, like I said, people don't understand what we're going through and what we're, you know, the process that we're going through. And, uh, we're just not ready to, to tackle that quite yet. And that's the quickest way to have that anxiety and all that stuff flare up. And the quickest way to, that we know the quickest way to get rid of that is I'm going to get fucked up. Yeah. And just like that, you've relapsed. Well, into that too, though, I think we, you know, we, (laughs) the, the addict, the person in recovery, you know, we have a responsibility to show others the same compassion that we're expecting from them. Yeah. They don't necessarily, like you said, right. They don't know. They don't, they don't have the vast majority of people don't, don't know. They don't have an education. So if somebody asks you, you know, a triggering question, it's not necessarily a fuck you, yeah. right? And it's really easy to jump to that, but it, it's it's just ignorance. And I don't yeah. mean ignorance with the negative. It's just, they don't know any better, yeah. right? So, um, you know, as cliche as it is, it's the holidays, right? Just, that was, oh, I can't remember what kids movie that was. It's just, it was a Christmas song. It was like, just don't be an asshole. That's, that was a kid song? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, I don't know. My kids listen to some weird <laughs> shit. <laughs> I was like, is this a show, a song? Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of Christmas no, shows. It Christmas like, shows are my jam. It, it had like two lyrics. It was like, it's Christmas time. Don't be an asshole. And it was just on loop. Are you referencing while. Bad Santa again? No, I feel like it was SpongeBob, but I don't think SpongeBob would say don't be an asshole. No, probably not. Unless it's Maybe in like Family Guy or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's Christmas time. Don't be an asshole. I know it asshole. wasn't on Michael Bublé's Christmas special, so it wasn't him. <laughs> no, I guess, I guess my point is, right, just... just Show everybody the same compassion you're looking for, especially if you're new to this. Um, what what tends to happen, I've seen in, in my personal circle and in other, other circles, is as we gain education on what recovery looks like to us, the people around us tend to, even j- if it's just through osmosis, start to pick up and learn some stuff too. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's not fair to expect them to know the right thing or the wrong thing to say. Um, you know, we're especially if you're new, we're all new at this. So, so just be kind and, and no, you know, don't take shit so personally. People's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of times somebody said something that, you know, old Rick definitely would have taken as a direct, like, oh, I guess we're going to fight now. Punch in the nuts. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say that. Um, that wasn't at all directed like that, right? It was just, it was a question. It was their tone. It was whatever, right? But um, yeah, just treat everybody with some compassion, especially if you're new to this. Yeah. I love that word, compassion, right? And it's um, it's way easier to you know show compassion for others, but um, sometimes uh, when we have a a a chance to maybe answer a question that makes us uncomfortable, I mean, maybe maybe you know maybe it's an opportunity to, you know, start to change that thought, right? Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> something that I've had to learn over the last year and a half is to uh, challenge a lot of the, you know, uh, thoughts that I've had and the, you know, uh, feelings that seem to amp up, you know, and um, uh, having having the the chance to show others compassion um helps us to also you know heal so yeah for sure Derek and I think with the topic of compassion that's a great segue into one of Rick's other favorite topics is self-care nice yeah tell us about your routine Rick my routine (laughs) starts with a bubble bath ends with some candles and some yoga you have some Yanni playing in the background? Yanni, yeah. He's like the, does he play a flute? <laughs> Pan flute. Pan flute? Is that what so. it is? I have fucking Skin idea. flute? Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, that went offside quickly. And for the record, that was not me that said that. Dave. <laughs> it was definitely Dave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. For me, uh, my self-care is, you know, I, I don't recommend myself. I'm terrible at self-care, to be honest with you. Um, it's not something that is in my focus typically if it does absolutely happen, but I think it's, it's more organic for me than, uh, than calculated and planned. Mm -hmm. Um, 
my biggest my biggest form of self care self care is really simple and it's it's music. Um, that's where I find my most therapeutic times. Um, I for those that know me, I'm a big collector of vinyl. And uh, something else we have in common. <laughs> uh, there's nothing. There's nothing like throwing a record on, just losing myself in it. To me, it. Uh, <clears throat> I really, I really get into it, and I like go down the whole emotional journey of the lyrics, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's a good break from reality for me. And and I find a lot of the music that I listen to reflects. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not a poppy dance music kind of guy. There's there's got to be some context and some value to the songwriting and. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a big piece in, in cooking. I love cooking too. So like fucks on the weekends, man, and you'll, you'll find me in my kitchen record player cranked cooking, cooking away. That's, yeah. that's my happy place for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. So cool. What about you guys? Amber, Derek, what do you guys do for self care? Uh, mine would be just getting out for a run. Yeah. Run in the gym is, <clears throat> is a huge one for me. I like to be out running. It gives me time and space away from my household and just me to be with my own thoughts. Yeah. Like just having that mental clarity, right? Where I'm not worrying about everything in my house or anybody else in my house. It's just, and I might not solve anything, but just getting out mm-hmm. and taking that kind of break for myself is, is huge. Awesome. Yeah. And I would have to say that my biggest self care now is definitely music. Um, I love to read about lots of different <laughs> topics uh sometimes i have a couple different you know books on the go um i i also find a lot of you know peace in uh excuse me in uh, being able to you know write and um something that i've learned to do is to journal and uh, it definitely helps to get my thoughts out um, when they're kind of all stuck up in my head, so I don't know if the mics are picking up all the fart noises that are coming from Ryan. Right <laughs> I swear it was the chair. Poor Derek trying to talk. I apologize, Derek. That's okay, bud. It's not. It's not the end of the world. You couldn't help it. Obviously, better out than in. I always say. Um, Unfortunately, we're just trapped in this box with you. (laughs) And now we're down to four. (laughs) So Ryan, other than, uh, other than a rowing machine, what do you do for (laughs) self-care? Well, never a rowing machine again. Um, For me, it's just, it can be just little things, right? A lot of the stuff you guys have talked about, I utilize those in different parts of my life as well for self-care. But for me, it's slowing things down, slow shit down. Like I always feel you know, and I think that was the way I was brought up. I always feel like I have to be doing something. And if I'm sitting on the couch doing nothing, I'm a fucking bum and I better get up and I better start doing something. Right. And it, it takes my, my partner, it, Alyssa comments on that all the time. She's like, no, you don't have to be doing something right now. Like you are doing something. You're sitting down, taking a break for yourself, right. And your mental health, whatever that looks like. And that really helps me pull my head out of my ass. Cause I, I always struggle with that piece. I should be busy right? Whether it's work, whether it's doing something around the house, something, I got to be doing something. And so for me, self-care is maybe just shutting that off and just shutting everything else off for a while and just relaxing, right? And during holiday season, holy shit, is that ever helpful? Because, you know, we're traveling, we're doing all these things. We're going here and there. You're racking up the credit cards, you're buying gifts, you're out, you're doing so many stressful things. And when are we taking time for ourselves, right? And I get it. It's hard. It's, it's a season that only comes once a year. We want to I think that perfectionist piece comes in. We want it, we want it to be perfect for everybody. And and if I get burnt out, I'm useless to everybody. So for me, it's a lot of that other stuff, like you guys said, but slowing down, just take some time for myself and sleep. Oh my goodness. Sleep is a huge one, right? For me, it's like, (laughs) we talked about the midnight thing, right? But if I stay up and I binge watch, we were laughing about this (laughs) earlier today, right? It's already midnight in a new series. I'm three episodes in and holy shit, there's only nine episodes. Should I? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's funny. Cause that was a legitimate conversation in my house last night. Yeah. That's what made me think of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and then we were supposed to be, you know, at a speaking engagement and it's 8am and Rick's been up till 4am <laughs> binge watching some series and how well is this going to go over? But bring coffee. Yeah. 
I mean, that piece too, it's, it's not the, as much as Rick loves his candlelit bubble baths <laughs> and his Yanni vinyl, it's not really about that for him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now I want to listen to, I'm going to Google Yanni. I've never really heard of music. <laughs> you know, I think a, a good takeaway too is like downtime, like try to put your phone away. Yeah. Like how many people have downtime, go lay on the couch, but you sit on your phone. Mm-hmm. I'm so guilty for that. So guilty. Me too. Yeah. Me too. When I take time off work, I usually power mm-hmm. my phone off. I check it once a day and and I leave my vacation time for my family yeah. because it is so distracting to my life. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. I've learned that over the last few years and it's been so impactful on my ability to just rejuvenate, come back and be able to work. Because yeah, you get burnt out. Totally. Yeah. Life's busy. <clears throat> For sure. Families and are busy. Your mind never gets a break if you're, you know, it may look like you've dumbed it right down and you're just sitting there aimlessly scrolling. But if you're anything like me, something pops up and then I'm like, holy shit, that's really interesting. I better research that. And then you're in this rabbit hole and you're yeah. not getting any mindful rest, really. You're down those rabbit holes, which leads to the next one and the next one. And before long, four hours has gone by and my thumb hurts. And that's a lot of rabbit holes. Oh, I, I'm a master at finding me too. rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> anyway, on to the next. Oh, who invited me? Uh, how about. Usually I'm the one that everybody's got to check, eh? Yeah. You're having an off day, buddy. It's a special episode. <laughs> <laughs> special topic, special sound, special smells. It's just been a festive day. Not to mention the lighting in here. Props to yeah. Dave. Oh, yeah. Green Dave's and red. Got the mood Very lighting going. Very nice. Um, and I think one of the last things that I really find helpful is planning ahead. Like we talked about with that escape plan, but I know for me, if I'm going on holidays, which I am over Christmas, I went, you know, if I'm going out of town for any length of time, I like to plan ahead and find, for me, I'm a 12 step guy, right? So I find meetings in the city I'm going to, and maybe I'm not going to hit them, but I like to have that planned out and I know where they are from where I'm staying. And like when I was in New Orleans a couple of years ago, I, I attempted to go to an NA meeting on a Friday night, but nobody was at the church. Weird. <laughs> but I mean, it's always an option, right? If something goes sideways when you're visiting whatever family on Christmas, you're going to Calgary or you're going wherever the heck you're going. It's not a bad idea to know where the meetings are in case you really need one. And a lot of times prior to the functions, prior to the function that you're going to, it's not a bad idea to hit a meeting and then go. Fill up your recovery tank and then get to get to your function, right? But I know how many times that's been helpful for me is is uh, pre-planning these meetings and the locations, the logistics, what that looks like. How am I going to get there? What's that look like? How much time is it going to take that night to out of my holiday season to get to this meeting? And I know that's worked for a lot of other people because I didn't just dream that up. Somebody shared that with me years ago and it worked for them and it's worked for me. And that's one of the coolest things about having people in recovery, I think, and having this network is, man, you, we don't have to really think for ourselves the whole time. We get to lean on other people's suggestions and see what's worked for them. And it's fascinating. Well, it's just how you frame that too. It's not necessarily time away from your holiday. Mm-hmm. It's time invested in your holiday. Yeah. Right. Cause I think, you know, <clears throat> the version of me coming out of a, a good meeting, is probably the best, best version of me you're going to get. Yeah. Right. So, um, especially, you know, if you've, been through an airport during Christmas time, <laughs> a, a guy could get a little punchy, right? Yeah. And uh, I think it's a good way just to ground yourself again and, and, you know, get back to the community and get back to your program and make sure you're in a good headspace to actually enjoy the time and um, and just keep yourself on check, really, because mm-hmm. the holidays, as awesome as they can be, they can suck, right? Yeah. So just make sure you're the best version of you you can be for the people around you. Absolutely. And the other thing that I've noticed from hitting certain meetings while I've been out of town is, man, does that ever expand your recovery network? You end up meeting some of the coolest people, right, at these meetings, and you might not stay in touch with all of them, but you have that resource if you're ever out in that neck of the woods again, or somebody reaches out, hey, do you know someone in Brampton, Ontario? Well, no, but I went to a meeting there, and I know a couple guys, so I'll send you their link, their numbers, and it's really cool to to strengthen that recovery network. The hell made you pick Brampton? Just... Don't even ask me random questions because you're going to get random answers. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. You ever been to Brampton? Never. <laughs> I don't even know if the word has left my lips before. That was weird. 
very specific spot, though. That's right. Oh, man. Well, if there's any listeners left (laughs) listening to this episode, what do you guys think? Anybody got any tips that are in your arsenal that you want to share? My only closing thought is uh, if you ever stuck stuck in the past and rehashing old shit, give me a call. I'll punch you in the nuts. Get you back in the present. Right in that Christmas chestnut. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, man. I we, think, I think oh. we need to... Dave, start this one over. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Derek, what were you saying? Sorry, man. That's okay. I, uh, I think that um, one thing that uh, we all can do is learn to go to a meeting if and when you ever, you know, feel like you're going to fall off. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, uh, something that I have to start to do now too, is when I'm not having a, you know, great day is that I, I know there's a meeting somewhere here that I can always attend. And, um, when you, you know, feel like you're going to maybe, bend or you're going to cave to the season um it does come to an end and life carries on afterwards and um trying to to be strong and to you know you know to to stay sober for our families is uh something that i try to do every day so Awesome, man. Yeah, for me, I think the biggest takeaway just being would be to be okay with the decision to not go mm-hmm. to something you don't want to go to. And because it's your, it's you on the line yeah. and it's okay to, to be there and people will understand in time. They don't have to understand it today. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. think that's a big one. That's awesome. And all, all kidding aside, <laughs> I think the biggest thing I can put out there is, uh, don't be alone. Like, you know, as much as it's don't go, um, don't go if you're going to a bad place. There are places out there. There are people you can call you and, uh, there's, there's plenty of places that you can be to not be alone. Um, cause it can be a very hard time if you're alone during a season. So, uh, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, the, the, the Alcathon out at the, uh, the clubhouse there, for those that don't know in Medicine Hat, that's that green building right beside the airport. Um, head out there, um, get out, you know, you can get on the phone to the, uh, AA hotline or you can call OCJ. I mean, I'll be around all Christmas. You can give me a call. Um, even if it isn't, you're lucky enough to hang out with my sorry ass, I'll make sure that I, uh, get you hooked up with somebody, some agency, some place that you can be. I'm around all Christmas as well. Yeah. I think that's the other piece that, you know, reach out to us if you have nothing else, if nothing else is out there, that's really lighten you up and you think you're all alone, reach out to our collective journey through our website or direct message us something, right? And somebody's going to answer the phone. Somebody will chat with you. And on that note, uh, and I won't actually punch you in the nuts. No, he's all talk. (laughs) I've yet to receive one and I've, I've mouthed them off quite often. (laughs) Um, zoom, right. Virtual zoom meetings. If you don't know about that, you don't know how to get on one. You don't know where they're located or the addresses. Get a hold of us. There's virtual Zoom meetings. Tw- there's 24 hour day meetings all right the time. Now. There's yeah. countless number happening at any given time. Hundred percent. And the beauty of that is, it doesn't matter where you're located because you just log on and you're there. So it's a it's a f- amazing option. If COVID has given us nothing good other than Zoom, I can live with that. I logged into one in like Eastern Europe somewhere, and it wasn't in English, and it was pretty cool. Like, because I know the readings and it, like I know what's happening, but like to not actually know. Yeah, it was. I don't know. I sat through the whole thing. It was weird, but cool. It is. It's one of those fellowships. It's one of those uh, situations where it's similar. I went to a meeting in Montreal, in person meeting one time, and it was completely francophone it was french speaking meeting only right and i was clueless i knew bonjour and that was about it and au revoir <laughs> and other than that though i knew the readings <laughs> and i knew that <laughs> i don't know I'm not french but but it was exactly the same as the meetings i go to here right the the atmosphere was the same it was welcoming it was non-judgmental everybody there had the same common thread we were looking for a solution to to our our addiction and it's an amazing 
I can't say enough about it. It saved my life and it saved continuously got me out of some pretty dark places when I go to a meeting. So I know we're not here to promote 12 step, but it doesn't hurt to talk about it once in a while because, you know, in my experience, it's saved my life. So I think 12 steps. Great. I started going and I never went before. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love it. It's amazing. I right? love going. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Great. And it's, uh, we don't want to turn this into a 12 step talkathon, but check get down out. a different rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm rabbit holed out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you're on fire. I knew I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> right on. Well, I think with that, we've taken up enough time for today. Uh, we just want to wish everyone a happy holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All that jazz. Merry Christmas. Happy holiday. Happy whatever it is you celebrate. Mm-hmm. Don't celebrate alone, but don't celebrate with assholes either. And with that, with that, I just want to thank all of you again and wish everybody out there a happy holidays and a very, very sober and safe Christmas. Wonderful. Happy holidays. Don't forget to rate the podcast. Nice. Nice. And with that, the end. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.